Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We are glad to be back together again. We've got the three amigos, and we are continuing our study as we walk through the Gospel of John together. So this week, we're back in John 10, and uh, my first question to you guys is, what was something that your parents told you growing up that you didn't believe at the time, but turned out to be true? You're going to be handsome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I completely made that up. You're kidding because you believed it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> or it didn't turn out to be true. <laughs> no, mine's a, a no surprise. It's a saying. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And you didn't believe them because right. you didn't understand it? Or you just no, didn't get it. No, I, I got it. But I just <laughs> didn't believe it because it's like, no, there's two. I'd rather have two. And sometimes <laughs> a bird in the hand really is worth two in the bush. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, I don't know if this is something I didn't really believe at the time, but... You know, I think I've talked about this before. Cats are both male and female. (laughs) (laughs) That I didn't invent peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, Anytime there was any kind of ailment, you know, in my sinus throat area, my mom would tell me to gargle warm salt water. And I hated it, and I didn't want to do it. And, you know, she would kind of make me sometimes, I guess. And then um, several months ago, Jeff wasn't feeling great, and I heard the words come out of my mouth, have you gargled with warm salt water yet? <laughs> That's a go-to in our house. <laughs> it works. It really does work. It was Or and your mom's a nurse. She is. My mom's right. a witch doctor. <laughs> <laughs> your mom's a bona fide nurse. I'm glad you added the doctor. <laughs> No, that was a staple in our house and still is. Like, I make my kids do it. It does work. It does work. You? Do you do this? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, we do that. Uh, I think my parents told me a lot of things as as a kid. You know, there's always the, your problems aren't really that big, or money doesn't grow on trees, or you'll thank me when you're older. I always think about... No, it is true. Money doesn't grow on trees. (laughs) (laughs) It turned out to be true. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got you. But I always think back to when I was young. My parents would just be like, take a nap, you know, like, hey, let's relax. Let's, you know, go take a nap in your room. And I'd be like, no, it's like the last thing you'd ever want to do as a young kid. Like one day you're going to wish that you could. I'm like, no, I don't ever. And (laughs) I wish I did. I feel it now. I wish I could nap every day. (laughs) Siesta. They were right. Yeah. Take a little siesta. Make it cultural. I think the re- <laughs> I think the reason uh, I just didn't believe them on so many of those things is because they also told me a ton of things that just actually weren't true exactly. either. <laughs> like two in the bush is better than one in the hand. <laughs> no, they didn't say that. <laughs> uh, there's lots of just crazy stuff. You know, if you uh, keep making that face, it's going to stay that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it stayed that way. Um, the, the boogeyman, the Mexican boogeyman. It's called Kukui. And so there was lots of like, oh, he's real. He'll come get you if you don't listen. (laughs) Not a healthy parenting technique. You have. Have you seen the bougie man? Bougie. (laughs) Instead of boogie, the bougie man. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to come for you. 
Well, I don't think funny. his name is Kukui. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not teaching my kids about Kukui. Uh, well, anyways, the reason we're talking about things our parents told us growing up that we found hard to believe is because as we continue our journey through the Gospel of John, we're going to see Jesus today make a simple yet powerful promise that many times we find hard to believe. And we may know it's true, but yet in some moments we find it really difficult to believe that it's true. So, you know, I have us reading John 10 and uh, the verse 22 through 30. Uh, and really some of the, the things to highlight in these verses are Jesus says in verse 28, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And he goes on to say that he and the father are one. The father has given them all authority and no one can snatch them out of his father's hand. So there is a simple and powerful promise here that we get the gift of eternal life and no one can snatch us out of God's hand. So my question for us is, uh, think about a season where you didn't feel secure in your relationship with God. What was happening in that season or around that season and, and what did you learn from it? I think a couple of seasons actually come to mind for me and they were pretty different from each other, but it was a time that I just didn't feel that secure or maybe um, felt distant also. And so one of them was when I was in college, I started learning other um, perspectives, other worldviews and other takes on religion and things like that. And I knew what I believed and I knew why I believed it, but I also kept thinking to myself, but all these others are just as convinced that theirs is truth as I am, that mine is truth. And I, one of those things that really I started grappling with um, because there are just some extreme conversations that I was having with people was the idea that um, of predestination and the elect and things like that. And somebody actually said to me that you can think that you have chosen to follow Jesus and you can have faith in him and you can believe these things, but if you aren't one of the elect, then it doesn't matter. You still don't belong to him. And that really rattled me, obviously, because it was like, no, I, I but I, you know, I, this is what I know to be true and this is what what my faith says. And thankfully, it pushed me more into the Bible and sent me on kind of a deep dive and a search. And I just remember all throughout that time, and this is, it's hard to explain because it's a feeling, but I just continued to have a sense that I had a relationship with God. Like I continued to go to him and not doubt that he was hearing me. And I just, I knew, I knew I had a relationship with the Lord. Another season um, was a time that I was really just struggling with a particular sin. And it was one of those, you know, Paul moments of I do what I don't want to do and what I want to do, I don't do and ugh get it together. And so that, I guess, is kind of slipping into almost a works-based approach to faith in a relationship with the Lord. And, um, you know, I struggled through that because I felt like 
I was distancing myself from God because of this sin. And yes, sin is something that comes between us and God, but because of what Jesus has done, that relationship is intact. And because I have put my faith in Jesus and made him my Savior and my Lord, no one can snatch me out of his hand, including myself, you know, (laughs) including my own sin. Um, So thankfully, those were both seasons that I got to the other side of and learned a lot about God in. I think for me, I think back to being like 18 years old and and really not having um, much understanding of of my faith or even why I believe the things maybe I've been told. And uh, I think I went through a season where I felt really unsure about um, my standing before God, if if he, if, um, based on my mistakes and my sins, like where I felt and living in this like constant fear. And part of it was the way I was brought up in my faith tradition of this constant like having to work and work. And so it, really it wasn't, um, un- I did not have a grasp on the concepts and the truth that we're actually going to jump into today that really helped me build um, this sense of security. Uh, and, and so I can really, really recall a season in life where I just felt so unsure about wh- what God thought about me and where I stood with him. But uh, um, I think the things we're going to talk about today were actually huge for me at that time in my life to learn for the first time. Uh, so I also have us reading Luke 23, and this is uh, Luke's account of Jesus's death. And it we're told that there are two criminals being crucified on either side of Jesus who are justly for their crimes being uh, punished for what they've done. And one of them chooses to mock Jesus in his final moments. And the other cries out to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded to him and he said, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And there's so much wrapped in these few, these final moments of these three people. But my question to you is, what is the significance? Because Jesus promises him, you will be with me today in paradise. So what's the significance the criminal on the cross gets into heaven? And is that fair? I think the significance for him was everything. (laughs) Right? It is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the significance that that man will experience heaven for eternity, like us. And so that narrative, like you said, becomes a really powerful example of the security that we find in Christ because mm-hmm. uh, there's no room for works mm-hmm. to be the justification of the criminal on the cross because there's no time. He's, yeah. he's drawing his last breath. And so his entrance into paradise is not contingent on his behaviors and actions. He didn't have enough time to build up merit. And it's a great picture that it's unmerited and that it is an act of grace mm-hmm. based on the work of Christ on the cross right next to him. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. It's a wild moment. And I think going back to your, your follow-up question of, is this fair? Uh, no. Yeah. Right? It's wildly unfair that that criminal would get the gift of paradise and it's Just equally like, unfair. Yeah, it's unfair for us. That we would too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it, it is not... Uh, it's not fair. It's and that's part of what we see in grace. Mm-hmm. And yet, it is just because God is a God of justice, and He doesn't check His justice to the side in His acting of grace. It's just that He exercised that justice and the consequence on Christ. And so that's what we're seeing mm-hmm. Jesus on the cross is the the price is being paid. It's just being paid by someone else. Yeah, I like what you said too. It's like it's being paid right beside Him. 
Like that, Jesus in that moment is taking on what he deserves, and that allows him to cry out in his final moments. I like that story you tell in your message. Oh, Alistair Begg? Yeah. Of that man gets to heaven, and he asks, the, the, an angel asks him, you know, why should I let you, who are you? Why should I let you in? And he just says, the man on the middle cross said that I can come. Said I could. <laughs> that's, that's it. By the way, do you know his name? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have time. <laughs> but I know he's a king. <laughs> uh, well, I kind of following up to that, what should, that's his story, teach us about our own salvation? I think again, it's it's an it's narrative that makes the theology of Ephesians two eight come to life. This idea that it's a work of grace through faith, and you have the two criminals: one that's mocking Jesus, and the other who's placing his faith in Jesus, and he's the one that is experiencing that gift of grace. And it's grace through faith. It's this both and, and uh, and it's this this uh, collaboration between you know. Uh, our our human freedom, and that's the faith part, and God's divine sovereignty, and that's the grace part, and it's that that both andness of them coming together in a way that it's grace through faith. Mm-hmm. In a way, I think of this guy, the thief on the cross, being kind of the culmination of every story of every human in the Bible, mm-hmm. and how they mess up and they're full of sin and they do the wrong thing and yet God still continues to use them. God still draws people into relationship with himself. And, you know, the reason I say this is kind of the culmination is because like Randy said, it's happening right next to him. Mm -hmm. And also like this guy gets no chance to redeem himself. Mm -hmm. Well, we're not redeeming ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be Jesus who redeems us. And so I just, like, I think of David who had the list of sins and, like I said, every other human in mm-hmm. history well, in the Bible. Think about Peter, right? So uh, imagine if Peter observed this interaction between Jesus and the thief on the cross and then fast forward to the resurrection and the resurrected Jesus is restoring Peter after he's denied him three times. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and the power that you would have demonstrated in the reality that the thief has been promised eternity and paradise. And so, Peter, even you who have denied me three times can be restored mm-hmm. by grace. I love thinking about the fact that that man died a few moments later, gets to heaven, and it's like he has nothing to show for it. He didn't come off the cross and do any good works. He didn't give. He didn't lead a Bible study. He didn't get baptized. He didn't do any of those things. And just thinking, man, that guy showed up empty-handed. But the truth is, we do too. And I don't know, for some reason, I think like when I get to heaven, like I will have a life hopefully full of good deeds and works in Jesus's name. But really, I am standing at the gate of heaven with the same amount of empty hands. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's getting me in that I've done in the same yeah. way. Well, like, and there's plenty of verses that cause us to think about what we, what we have in our lives and how we live mm-hmm. our life and how we run our race, yeah, right? Yeah, it's important. The question is, where's your faith? Mm-hmm. Have you put your faith in Christ or have you put your faith in those good deeds? The things I'm doing. That's, yeah. Ultimately. That's, that's it, all of it. That's yeah. a very different deal. Mm. Showed up empty-handed, and if all those movies and depictions are right, half-naked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how well, that movies works, are you? but those cross guys, they didn't have much on. Oh, 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 the guys oh, on the cross. At the gates. <laughs> I'm saying they always have the 
those guys in like a diaper, basically, up on the cross. Somewhere between there and the gate, we're giving clothes. <laughs> I feel like that was we'll probably see. pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, well, I also have us reading two other passages that I think kind of really drive home this point. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, I'll read it quickly. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And then Romans 8, uh, really 35 and through 39, really, I'll just summarize it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes on to say, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I'm convinced neither life nor death, nor angels, nor demons, no present nor future, no any powers or height or depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These are two really big promises from God that grace is a gift from God and salvation is, and that so that no one can boast about our works. And also similarly, the promise that nothing can separate us from him. So because eternal life is a gift from God, my next question is, why can we believe that we can't earn it? And what causes us to doubt that truth? I mean, I think we can believe that we can't earn it because we recognize that it's unattainable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when you when you begin to understand the difference and the space between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of of man, and you go, man, there's there's no way to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I believe that I can't earn it because I believe that it cannot be earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are there things that cause you to doubt that? You know, in moments like when you're doing good, when you're I think there re- are relying on yourself. And some of it I think kind of goes back to the top of the things that our parents told us, you mm-hmm. know. Like and I think this is probably true for you guys too. Like we're raised in a culture where we're heard where we hear that, you know, anything that's of value is not free. Mm-hmm. Right, that it's, mm-hmm. it has to be worked for. If you something worth having is worth working for, like these are literally things I was taught, and these are not bad <laughs> things, but that's so much a part of our understanding and our, our psyche that we take this free gift of grace, which is infinitely valuable. And it's like, how can I how can I believe that I don't have to earn that mm-hmm. if it's this thing of ultimate treasure? I must have to work for that because I've always been taught this work mentality, you know, and, and we value hard work in our culture. Mm-hmm. And those are things our parents teach us. And so I think those are the things that, that work against us in regards to really leaning into believing that we can't. I think it's it can be hard to believe. I also think sometimes we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but sometimes we do want to be able to earn it because then that makes it feel like I've got control mm-hmm. over this. Like even those of us who really don't like math, kind of like a formula, like if this, then this, like if you do these things, then this outcome will happen. And I think in a way, because again, we've established this isn't fair. And in a way, fair to us means you you get what you give, you know, you mm-hmm. get what you deserve. But then the Bible tells us, okay, but the wages of sin, which everybody does, everybody is a sinner, is death. And so then you come back to, yeah, that's still not fair that I'm not getting what I've mm-hmm. actually earned. Mm-hmm. I think over the years of ministry, one of the things that I feel like causes people many times to doubt this truth is that it sounds too good to be true and it's too simple. Like, are you really telling me like that man on the cross got in? It's like, yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's why it's good news. It is. Yeah. You said earlier, it's like, we got to believe that the good news is the best news. And and sometimes it's hard to believe, but it's 
That's why it's called the good news. And when you water it down or you change it or you try to make it works-based, then you turn the good news into okay news. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and it's like, no, this really is as good as it sounds. Fair to Midland news. Do you know that one? <laughs> Fair, Fair to, to Midland? Midland? Fair to Midland? <laughs> nope. No? I can imagine what it means, but... It's the first time I've heard it. Uh, well, the other side of that is another part of this promise that I think we many times have a hard time believing is the idea that we can't lose it. So my question is, why can we believe that we can't lose eternal life and we can't lose this gift that we've been given? And what causes us to doubt it? I think this goes back to the top of the conversation, too, where you know we're talking about seasons that we, we struggle with not feeling secure. And, and I think making the distinction between position and connection is critical here mm-hmm. because positionally, as followers of Jesus, like we, we never are insecure in regards to our position, the, the position of acceptance that we have by the blood of Christ, the position of sons and daughters of God as co-heirs with Christ because of grace through faith. And so that justification position never changes. And yet, as we walk in life through seasons, through sins, through hardships, through different you know ways that God is shaping and teaching us, we go through times where our connection is struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so easy to take those mm-hmm. connection kinds of things and make them related to position kinds of things mm-hmm. and really beginning to understand that they are different and there are distinctions that your position is never challenged, mm-hmm. but your connection, you know, even even in that position, the effect of sin is still that it's a separating kind of thing. It's not going to mm-hmm. se- separate you from being in relationship with God, but it will cause disconnect in regards to the intimacy that you experience in relationship mm-hmm. with God. When you talk about connection and intimacy and some sometimes the way it feels, you know, it, it just makes me think of the idea of emotions. And, you know, our, our emotions are God-given and they teach us things and they tell us things and they help us discern things maybe. But it also makes me think of Proverbs where it says, the heart is deceitful. And, you know, last week, I think we talked about the lies we tell ourselves. Like sometimes that's the voice that we need to be able to weed out from being able to discern the Lord's voice. And so I think one of the lies we can tell ourselves goes back to, well, I did this thing, and so my relationship with the Lord is in trouble. And I love the way verse 39 in Romans 8 says it. Do you have the NIV pulled up, Mm -hmm. Joseph? What does it say? Nor height, nor depth? Nor anything else in all creation. So the way... My Christian Standard Bible that I'm looking at right now says it, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And I love that because it's like, nor you. Like, you are a created thing. Everything that you can think of is a created thing, including you. So who do you think you are that you've got the power to snatch yourself out of God's hand? Right, you didn't earn it, so you can't lose it. And I think, like... I remember this being said, and it was like, this is so simple, but so profound in my mind, this idea of if we could lose it, then you would. Yeah. Yeah. And and who wouldn't, mm-hmm. right? Where, where's that line drawn? If it could be lost, 
then what do you see that says this is how you maintain it and this is how you don't? In that don't. case, the thief was greatly positioned. <laughs> yeah, right? right at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, like, I, I do live with that mentality. As, man, if I could lose it, then I, I, I would have. Yeah. And I haven't because yeah. I didn't earn it to begin with. I do think this is a real thing that many people struggle with. It's like in the midst of our mistakes, our sins, our shortcomings, this feeling in the midst of the guilt of feeling like, man, I have re- God is done with me. God is far from me. God, uh, he was with me until then. And that's when he left. Mm-hmm. And I think it really, there's, there's so much thought around this concept and so many antidotes. But really, like you said, Randy, coming back to the idea, I can't get myself in. So then I can't get myself out. Mm-hmm. Jesus talked about we are in his hand. His sheep are in his hand. I didn't put myself in his hand. He did. And so I also can't take myself out. And I think in the midst of the complexity and, and, and the hard, that that is a good place to keep running back to. It's like, I didn't get myself in, so I can't take myself out. Well, and ultimately having the same degree of dependence on grace in sanctification and glorification that we do in justification leads us to that place of worship and humility mm-hmm. and that place of yeah. dependence, right? When I recognize that I didn't get me in and I'm also not responsible to bring this to completion, but I really do believe the the promise in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in me will bring it out mm-hmm. to perfection, right? Like he did it, he started it, and he's going to finish it. And he's still working. And he's going to wrap up what he started mm-hmm. and it all has everything to do with him yeah. all along the way. But then recognizing that... The, Theologically, like we're we're swimming in some deep waters here, mm-hmm. you know, and and there are some real divides in regards to how churches line up on these kinds of things because there are plenty of other scriptures like First John two nineteen that gives this idea of hey there were some that were among us that are no longer among us right they were in and now they're out and as you take all of these different things and you build out a theology around this. It's like another opportunity for us to understand and to learn what it is for the clear to interpret the unclear, right? And for uh, for the, the truth of the gospel to be primary in our understanding of things. And so you ultimately come to a place where you recognize at the core of the gospel, it's this reality that, that this has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us mm-hmm. and not what we do. And then that continues to be true as we apply the gospel throughout our other theologies and understandings of what it is to be safe and secure in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A minute ago, you, Randy, you said um, humility and dependence on God. And I love that. I think that is so good because, Joseph, you were talking about, you know, in the midst of my sin or messing up or making mistakes or whatever it is. Um, and I think sometimes even like a little a little bit more even simply maybe than just the sin that I'm in is sometimes what I'm feeling is inadequate. Like it may not be that I'm cognizant of struggling with this specific sin, but I just feel generally not good enough. Mm -hmm. I just feel generally inadequate. I'm comparing myself to other people and what they're able to do and the things they do for the Lord or, you know, the way they relate to people, you know, whatever it is, I just feel inadequate. And that's one of the things that the voice in my head is saying. And the thing is, I am. I mean, the other side of feeling inadequate is feeling adequate. Exactly. And who felt adequate? The Pharisees. Yes. And what did Jesus have to say to them? Well, John 10. (laughs) And so that, that humility to 
think to myself, right, you are inadequate, but Jesus is not. So be humble enough to depend on him. And that goes back to thinking you're inadequate is actually just a different version of pride. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, my last question for us, and really it's on this, the idea that we're talking a lot about this promise, the good news of the gospel that Jesus has given us eternal life and that is a gift. And we're talking a lot about the comfort that that brings us forever, knowing that here's where we're headed no matter what happens. And we're talking about we can be confident, have comfort knowing where we're going. But I also want to talk to the type of comfort that that grants us today. So my question is, how does the good news of the gospel grant us comfort both now and forever? And I think for the now, it, it's standing on the the promise and finding my security in the reality that I did not behave my way into this, so I cannot behave my way out. And so what that means is as I continue in this life and continue to battle sin in my life, I can know that as a follower of Jesus, that I'm going to fall, right? I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall. I am going to continue to battle sin and yet Though there will be falls and though there will be disconnects in terms of that relational connection and struggles with that intimacy, that I will not fall from grace. There will not be this final falling or this positional falling. And man, that, that's a tremendous comfort. And it doesn't give us the space to just disregard battling sin in our lives. We continue to do that as we fight for intimacy with God, but it gives us the freedom to rest in the reality that positionally we will not be changed. Yeah. I'm talking about you fall, it makes me think of your message, Joseph, and talking about you might fall, but you're falling into the Lord's hand. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still there. Nothing has mm-hmm. snatched you out of that. And, you know, being in the Lord's hand is security now and forever. Um, and I think sometimes we want security to also mean safe. Comfort. <laughs> and yeah, and it makes me think of the the Chronicles of Narnia line mm. about Aslan and oh, he's not safe, but he's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I think that's such a powerful idea and helps us helps us understand a little bit mm-hmm. more of what it does and does not mean to be in God's hand. And I think on the forever piece, like, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like the reality is there's more that we don't know than what we do know about mm-hmm. heaven and what it's like and what it will be and and how our relationships will be and, you know, all the million other ways that that these questions go. And it's like there's a great security in knowing that I don't need to know. I just know that it's where my hope is and that it's so much more than I hope for. Mm -hmm. You know, I really do believe that, that that there is security in knowing I'll be there and there's security in knowing that it will be, it will exceed my greatest imagination Mm -hmm. because at the core of it, it's, it's, communion, it is the intimacy, unbroken, undisturbed in the presence of God. I just like the last reminder too, like even as we are sanctified towards heaven and live our lives, even in the storms of life today, in the chaos and the broken things and the hard things that we have no control over, just when everything feels like it's falling apart and the ground is shaking, just remember Jesus is still promised we're in his hand and there's comfort we can find in that even in the midst of the hard. And I hope for our folks that these kinds of conversations and understanding these promises and these theologies leads them to a place, not that they feel like they have license to sin, Mm -hmm. but where they see and and sense and live in the security even in the face of sin struggles. Because that's where I hear it the most of, oh man, I did this or I did that, or you know, he's going to turn his back on me now. No, 
he's going to do that, he'd have done it from the start, Jack. Or now I need to do X, Y, and Z to make up for it. Mm-hmm. Penance, right? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, thanks for listening, um, and, and we hope you have great conversation this week in small group. Listen, if you've been tracking with us for some time, we have a unique surprise for you. For weeks and months, Randy and I have been talking about racing one another. <laughs> and it just happened. I won't tell you how it went, but if you can see for yourself. Can I say something? Uh, maybe. Okay. I won't tell you how it went either, but I will tell you that uh, it did not go as I expected. <laughs> well, we all know what you expect. No, you don't. I didn't necessarily expect to win, but I did not expect what happened. You got to see it for yourself. So if you go to brazospoint.com slash living room, we got a special treat for you. But thanks for listening. And if you are not in small group, we would love to help you. Send us an email, brazzispoint.com slash small groups. We'll get you connected. Love you guys. See you next week.